0: Why don't we open our Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 4. We're in the book of Joshua chapter 4. It's a very exciting time, not only in our church, but in this book as we study it, to know and to see what the Lord is doing in the nation of Israel. And how the Lord is delivering them and having had delivered them from Egypt now. In the last chapter, we saw that they crossed or they began to cross the Jordan River. We've titled tonight's message, A Memorial of Faith. If you like taking notes, write that down. A Memorial of Faith. The people here are going to learn and we tonight are going to together learn the value of our spiritual heritage. There's so much lessons to be learned from our past, from our spiritual heritage that are going to take us into the future, into the next season that God has for us. And yes, the nation of Israel has been delivered from the world. They've been delivered from bondage, which is Egypt. Now they've crossed the Red Sea that symbolizes the beginning of the Christian life. (laughs) And they enter now the desert experience, the wilderness experience, as we all know it. And and what the wilderness experience represents is a season of spiritual struggle or defeat. It represents a, a season of dissatisfaction now, of doubt, of unfulfillment, and of carnality. And they've gone through 40 years of now struggling in the wilderness. But now they're about to cross the Jordan River. You know what the Jordan River, crossing the Jordan River represents? It represents death to the old self and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, identifying with Christ, living a life of victorious Christian living. When we come to the Jordan River, understand, and we're ready to cross, we identify now with Christ, we die to our own plans, we die to our own ambitions, we die to our own now program, and we submit to God, and we choose to face the enemy. We're not under bondage to the enemy, we're not under bondage to sin anymore, but we're living the Spirit-filled life. Did you know that the promised land is all about the Spirit-filled life? It's all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's about walking in love. It's about walking in obedience. And we all need that today. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. The old saying is true. If you only have the Word, you dry up. If you only have the Spirit, you blow up. But if you have both, you grow up. We need the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And we see that the nation of Israel, not only are they stepping up, but they're stepping out into the Jordan. They're stepping into now the promises of God. What are you doing with the promises of God tonight? A woman was once asked, what do you do with the promises of God? What do you, you personally do with the promises of God today? She thought to herself, she said, well, I underlined them in blue. And sometimes that's what we do with the promises of God. We just underline them. We maybe highlight them, but we don't step into now all that God has for us. You know that when you take steps of faith, you really are partnering with God, with what he wants to do in your life. You're walking the life of obedience. Obedience. And I pray that as believers tonight, we would cross that Jordan and move into new ground, new spiritual ground with the Lord to spiritual progress advancing in a life of faith. The question has been asked, and it was asked to me even last Wednesday, how can I know that I should take a step of faith? (laughs) That's the big question. How can I today know that I should take a step of faith? I'm going to give you three reasons before we go to Joshua chapter 4 as to how you know you can take a step of faith today. Number one, do you have peace about taking that step of faith? (laughs) Because the peace of God is going to lead you to the place that he has for you. Do you have peace about it? Number two, do you have confirmation that this is what God has for you in his word? Has God given you biblical confirmation to take that step of faith? Oftentimes we say, Well, I have peace, but never having received the confirmation from the Word of God, and we're being led by something else. Do you have peace? Do you have confirmation from the Word of God? And notice finally, three, do you have an open door? (laughs) Oftentimes we say, Well, I want to step out, and I have the peace, I I have the verse, but there's no open doors. (laughs) Well, maybe God's not calling you to that. Do you have peace today? Do you have confirmation from his word, and do you have an open door? Now, the nation of Israel here is making the necessary spiritual preparations to cross. Number one, sanctification. Why? Because God cannot do a work in your life apart from holiness. God needs us to sanctify ourselves so that he can do the work now that he wants to in our lives. And, and Joshua said in chapter three, sanctify yourself because tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. What does it mean to sanctify, to cleanse yourself from the things of the world, to be separated unto God? God was leading them forward. God was in control. He's the one that said, the priest, put your feet in the water. <laughs> And the Lord then again said, priest, now step out of the waters. Again, every step of the way, the Lord was leading them. But the second preparation or spiritual preparation before they enter now that we're going to see here in chapter 4 is to build a memorial. We have to understand that it's good to memorialize the great acts of the Lord. It's good to memorialize them provided that those memorials don't become idols (laughs) there's often times that we memorialize things that god has done in the past and then the past becomes an idol (laughs) that we don't want to move forward from what god had us in into what god wants to bring us into now but memorials here we know that they're important there are times we're so linked into into the past That we fail to serve God in the present, but the past should serve us as a launching pad to go to where the Lord desires for us to be in right now. That's why every new generation needs to know what God has done for his people. So that they will obey his word and trust him. It's so sad when you see that generations, even today, the generation of today, the generation of our future has forgotten the faithfulness of God. And because of that, it has become a self-centered generation. A generation that has become ungrateful. But when you're living in faith, when you're living now following a living God, the past, notice this, it's not just dead history. But it thrives now with a living reality that God that worked in the past wants to work today. That's why we're going to learn about the memorial that they built with stones taught us three lessons. I don't want you to write this down tonight as we study this. In chapter four, we see number one, the lesson of faith. In this memorial, we're going to see the lesson of faith. We also see number two, the lesson of obedience. And finally, number three, we see the lesson of gratitude. Gratitude. Three things that we find in the memorial faith, obedience, and gratitude. Let's read here Joshua chapter 4 verse 1. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe. And command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word tonight. And Lord, as the people have begun to to cross the Jordan, to cross over to the promises of God, to cross over to the abundant life, the spirit-filled life, I pray that we would too. That we would leave the self-life behind. That we would cross over to a life of faith, to a life of obedience, but also to a life of gratitude. So teach us as if this message was just for us tonight, in Jesus' name, and together we said, amen. Now notice the lesson of faith, beginning in verse 1. It says that it came to pass when the people had completely crossed. We know that the priests led the way with the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God. And the Lord told Joshua to tell the priest to put your feet into the water, and he split the Jordan open, and they had to take steps of faith to see God make a way. But here now comes another lesson. Because it came to pass when they were completely crossing over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Now you're going to find that throughout the entire book of Joshua that the Lord is in constant communication to Joshua. And Joshua is listening. Joshua is receiving his directions. Joshua is receiving his orders from God. (laughs) He's not going to the officers that were appointed. He's not going to anything else but receiving now constant communication with the Lord to find out what God's plans and what God's purposes are for the nation of Israel. This is such an important lesson, even as we see verse 1, that we ought to hear from God as we're taking steps of faith. And notice in verse 1 that all the people had completely crossed over. They're crossing over in unity. But verse 2 tells us that the Lord said to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe. Now, what an example this is to us 12 men, one man from each tribe. Why men? Because the men represented the tribe, the men represented the family. The men represented the leadership, and the men must be willing to lead the way. (laughs) You see how important this is, even for us? So it says, take one man from each tribe, and have each man take one stone now from the Jordan River. In fact, verse 3 says it like this, And command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here and out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Joshua said to the 12 men, gather 12 stones, one stone, each man, and gather them out of the Jordan, and we're going to build a monument where you lodge and sleep tonight. Now look at the instructions that follow this verse, verse 4. Then Joshua called the 12 men who he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from each tribe, And Joshua said to them, he said exactly what the Lord had said to him. Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Go cross over where the ark of the covenant is. They had completely crossed to the other side of the Jordan. And now he gathers 12 men, he sends them back, and he says, where you see the Ark of the Covenant, where you see the presence of God, go back there and gather a stone and bring it back with you. Why is he telling them this? So that they would remember the act that the Lord did, that he parted the Jordan River for them. Let's continue reading here in verse 6. That this may be a sign, circle the word sign, that this would be a miracle marker. It's almost as if we're putting a marker where we've written down the faithfulness of God in our lives. Put a marker on it so that you don't forget. (laughs) Let there be a sign to you so that you understand what God has done for you. That this may be a sign to you when your children ask in the time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? You You're going to gather these stones, and these stones are going to be a sign. Before we move forward, before we enter the land, before we fight the enemy, we need to make sure that we're spiritually prepared for spiritual warfare. And in order to be spiritually prepared for spiritual warfare, you have to make sure that spiritually the Lord is number one and he's priority. This is why he's saying make sure that you don't forget. And place a, a now memorial marker as to what God has done up until this point you remember what the Lord has done in your life? And maybe you think back and you see maybe a picture, you see something you've written down in your notebook, and you say, well, I remember what God has done in the past, and his past faithfulness encourages me today to take steps of faith. Well, this is exactly what the Lord was teaching them, a lesson of faith. Let's read verse 7. Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark, of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. You see here when the children of Israel now ask, these stones that they see here are going to remind them so that they never forget what the Lord has done for them and in them. An opportunity for them to remember. Now, notice as we continue reading here, even in verse 7, these stones are going to serve as a memorial now. It says, and the children of Israel did so just now as Joshua commanded. What do they do? They go and they gather the stones. They go and they build that memorial, that monument that would remind them what God had done for them. But if you see here, even in this verse, you start to notice that God had a plan. For the parents to teach the children of God's faithfulness. How are we today teaching and instructing our children of God's faithfulness? You know, the most important thing that you can pass on to your children is not an inheritance of a monetary inheritance or a property or something that you value here on earth. The most important thing that you can pass on to your children is your faith. Because that's the only thing that's going to last. And he's saying these stones are so they remember the faithfulness of God. These are observances. These are signs that the Israelites would remember God delivered us. God delivered us. He took us out of Egypt. He led us through the wilderness, and he led us to the inheritance and to walk into the promises of God. That's what these stones represent. You know, the stones really, what they also represent, that God honors faith, and he works on behalf of those who trust him. Think about how as they looked at those stones. What do they remember? The Lord honors faith, and he works on behalf of those who trust him. That's exactly what the stones represented. They were recording God's faithfulness, and this was a reminder for them that when they were tempted, because the enemy, they were going to face the enemy. When they were tempted, they were to look back at the stones and say, there is no turning back. we look at god's faithfulness in our lives and we look back at what he has done you know what it encourages us to do to not turn back because god has been faithful yesterday and he's going to be faithful today and he's going to be faithful tomorrow and that's exactly what the lord was teaching them the lesson now of faith when your children ask you know what these stones are going to be they're going to stand as a pillar now as a monument For instruction, they're going to stand as an opportunity for you to disciple your kids. That's why it's awesome when you go into a home and you see the faithfulness of God, the Bible verses all over the walls that are echoing the love of God, the fruits of the Spirit everywhere, because it's an opportunity to teach the children the ways of the Lord. We we see here now the lesson of obedience in verse 8. What happens is that the children of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. How did they respond? They responded in obedience. The children the nation of Israel, they responded in support. They responded in encouragement. They did as the Lord had spoken to Joshua. Now, why did they respond this way to Joshua? Because they knew that Joshua was hearing from God. You know who people want to follow? They want to follow a leader that they know is hearing from God. Not a leader that has his own agenda, but someone that is hearing from God. This is the importance that it teaches us to obey the words of God. And what do they do here in verse 8? They carry the stones over as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. What happens is they obey, they respond. But now Joshua gives them now a second instruction. The first instruction is to gather a stone, bring it to where you're going to lodge. Let it be a sign, a monument, so that you never forget what God has done for you in the past. So that you never are tempted to go back to where you came from. So that you never fall and are led astray, away from the promises of God. Remind yourself, because you're going to be tempted to forget, and to try to go back. Be spiritually prepared for the place and the season that God is taking you next so that you can continue to take steps of faith. Now, the second instruction here comes in verse 9. Then Joshua set up the 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. So Joshua took 12 stones out of the Jordan. He commanded 12 men, and they brought them out to the Jordan, to the west side of the Jordan now. And he also then took 12 stones from the west side of the Jordan, from the promised land, and replaced now the stones that they had taken with 12 stones now from the promised land or from the land of Canaan. He took them into the center and to the middle of the Jordan River. What does the Bible tell us that they are there till this day? The 12 visible stones at Gilgal, that they took them to Gilgal, represented the 12 invisible stones that we can't see that they were in the water. (laughs) And what happens next here is is amazing. Because you see here now in verse 9 and 10, verse 10 it says, So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst now. The Jordan River was still parted. And you know what was holding that, the Jordan to be parted on dry ground? The presence of God that was in the center still. <laughs> but now the priests were carrying the ark of God, which was the visible presence of God for them. They had to focus on the presence of God in order to make it to the other side. They had to have their attention centered on the f- presence of God in order that they make it to the other side where God was taking them. And it said here now that the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people. Put an example here. Verse 10, what do the priests do? They stand in the center carrying the presence of God, the ark of the covenant, until when? Notice this, and I want you to pay attention in your Bible tonight, until everything was finished. That's an example of leadership right there. That's a commitment now. That's a faithfulness to stay where God had them and to wait for all the people to cross over until they had the opportunity to go behind them. So you know what led the way before them was the presence of God. And what covered them behind them was the presence of God. And there the priests, what were they doing? They were waiting until everything was finished. I love it because the priests were the leaders. And they were the first to go, but they were also the last to leave. <laughs> That's what you know when you have true leadership. When they're in the presence of God, they're the first to go and the last to leave. And they stay there until everything was finished or all was completed that God had commanded Moses to give to Joshua and everything that was carried out. But let's read here, verse 10, it says, According to the all that Moses had commanded Joshua. Everything that Moses passed down to Joshua, what did Joshua do? He did, and he commanded the people. You see why the spiritual heritage is important? Because the lessons that Joshua had learned from Moses, he was using them to lead the people across the Jordan. You see, Joshua wasn't leading on his own experience. Joshua wasn't leading on his own wisdom. He was hearing from God and he was standing on the shoulders of the leader that did it before him. And it tells us this in verse 10. He said, they stayed there until everything was done that Moses commanded Joshua and the people hurried and crossed over. Now, don't you love that the Holy Spirit used that word there in verse 10, hurried and crossed over? Because sometimes some of us need a little bit of urgency to go to the place that God has for us next. <laughs> there are times that we say, well, Lord, I want to cross over, but I'll cross over next month. <laughs> well, I'll cross over next year when it's more convenient. No, the presence of God was moving, so the people hurried. They moved with urgency. And notice that "we're hurried means they did not delay. They didn't delay. Did you know that delayed obedience is just as bad as disobedience? Oftentimes, God says, I want you to go, and we start to delay because we want to hold on to something that, that it doesn't belong to us. What did the people do? They hurried. Why? Because the presence of God was leading. What were they doing? They were following the leading of the presence of God. Let's look here at verse 11. Because it says, Then it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of God of the people. Not only did they stay there until everything was finished, not only did they lead by the presence of God, but also it said that they led in the presence of the people. They were leading by the presence of God. And number two, they were leading by example. (laughs) there's anything that is wanted today in our generation, are examples. Examples of people that are willing to lead in front of other people following the Spirit of God. Did you see here first that they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, but here in verse 11, what does it tell us? In the presence of the people. Why? The people were watching them cross. And people are watching us today. They're watching your example, your obedience. They're watching your faith. They're watching you when you're there, and they're watching you when you're not there. (laughs) They're watching you when you're in the presence of God, and they're watching you when they know that you haven't been in the presence of God. But notice what takes place here in verse 12. It says, and the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, these were three tribes that wanted to settle on the wrong side of the Jordan, but they were going to cross and to lead the people the way and to fight the battles that were leading the way. It says, crossed over, armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. What are these three tribes going to do? They're going armed. You would ask yourself, why are they armed now? They're armed because they're going to face many battles. It tells us, in fact, in verse 13, about 40,000 prepared for war. Circle that in your Bible. Armed. And secondly, in verse 13, prepared for war. Crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. So between verse 12 and verse 13, we see now armed, we see prepared for war, and then we see for battle. Why is this important that we observe this and we understand this? Because it says 40,000 strong now, armed for battle, these warriors, quality men now, equipped now for war, led the way before the people. And oftentimes we want to cross over the Jordan but are you prepared for spiritual warfare? Understand this, that when you're taking steps of faith to where God wants you to go next, in obedience, in faith now, because God has given you vision to continue, notice what you should be ready for. You should be armed and ready for war. Because that's what's going to happen. These men were ready now. These strong men, they were not weak men. They were strong men. They were armed and they were ready for war resistance they're ready for war for spiritual warfare because it wasn't only about entering the land notice this it wasn't just about getting to the land of canaan the promised land it was also about driving out the enemy and the enemy did not want them to be there there's there's certain battles ahead that you're going to have to fight we think oftentimes, well, when I take that step of faith and I finally arrive there, that I'm going to be a place of, of full fulfillment. And yes, that's true, but understand this, there's many battles that you're going to have to fight before you get the land. There's many fought, battles you're going to have to fight. There are many obstacles that you're going to have to face that are determined to keep us away from being fruitful Christians. Because the enemy is going to do everything in his power, to rip you off from the promises of God. And the pro- you know what the promised land represented? It was a place of battle. The promised land was a place of trust, where they had to trust God with everything now because challenges got bigger in the promises of God, in the promised land, but also now, so did the blessings. With every blessing, understand, when we take steps of faith, you're going to face a battle. And the spiritual warfare oftentimes is not an indication that God is not leading the way. In fact, it's a confirmation that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. That's why we have to be so sensitive. And so, Lord, I want to follow your leading. I want to be prepared for battle. I want to be so equipped now for war because I know what's ahead now. Not only the inheritance, but also driving out the enemy driving out that which is going to fight against the spirit, fight against now the flesh versus the spirit. And verse 14, notice, on that day, as they crossed over, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel. Now, who was it that exalted Joshua on that day? It was the day that God appointed. But it was the Lord that exalted Joshua. The word exalt means the Lord made Joshua a great leader on that day. But in whose eyes the Lord did it? He did it publicly. But why is it that the Lord did this for Joshua? Because Joshua was obedient. This is the making of a great leader. You want to know what the making of a great leader is? A a person that is willing to take steps of faith and a person of obedience. That's the making of a great leader. That's when God can use a person in a greater capacity, and it tells us in verse 14, in the sight of all of Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. In the eyes of the nation of Israel, it says that the Lord exalted him. He made him a great leader, and they feared him just the same way that they feared Moses all the days of his life. What does that mean? It says that the people respected him. They obeyed him because of his calling, and they recognized on that day God's hand upon him. How did they know that God's hand was upon Joshua? Well, they saw that God's hand was upon Joshua because of how God was confirming it through the work that he was doing. It was undeniable. You couldn't deny this is a work of God. God is working here, and God here is reaffirming to the people that Joshua was to be the successor to Moses. So the Lord, what did he do? Exalt Joshua in the presence of the people. Verse 15, notice we see this again. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Verse 1, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Verse 15, the Lord spoke to Joshua. You see, what is this teaching us today? If you want to be filled by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want to live a life of faith, and of obedience, where you step into the promises of God, you know how it begins? you hearing the voice of God. There are some people that say, I can't remember the last time I heard the voice of God. When was the last time you spent time with an open Bible, a paper, and a pen, and said, Lord, I'm not leaving this place until you speak to me? Because I need to hear your voice. Because we need to hear his voice. Now, notice here in verse fifteen, the Lord spoke to Joshua. What did He speak? He, he commanded him, and, and it tells us this in verse sixteen: Command the priests who bear the ark of the fellowship to come up from the Jordan. All right, tell them. The priests who are in the center of the Jordan, tell them to come out of the Jordan. Tell them to come out of the riverbed. Now, isn't this awesome? That every step of the way, the Lord was giving them instruction. That Joshua never was lost. <laughs> Joshua was never filled with doubt because he was hearing the voice of God. Every step of the way, the Lord said, okay, it's time to do this now. And in every season, every step, God was confirming it with his voice now. And he says, all right, now call them out of the Jordan. And Joshua, verse 17, therefore commanded the priest saying, come up from the Jordan. He receives his instructions. He now relays the instructions and commands the people. And it came to pass, verse 18, when the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come up from the midst of the Jordan, when they received the commandment and they stepped back out of the Jordan, that the soles of the priests of the feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all of its banks as before. Isn't God's timing perfect? (laughs) I love that word overflowed. Overflowed. The rivers overflowed now. You know, the spirit wants to overflow, wants to come in as a mighty rushing wind in our lives to overflow. (laughs) But you know how that takes place, the overflowing, the spirit flowing in our lives? The spirit flows in our lives. The life of Christ is able to flow freely in your life as you're constantly taking steps of obedience. As you're taking steps of obedience. And when you're not looking back in regrets. We oftentimes have the problem with taking a step of faith. And you know what happens immediately after we take a step of faith? We begin to doubt that which we heard from God. Lord, was this really of you? When the life of Christ is flowing through us, we're walking in confidence that we're doing that which God has said. And notice as we continue reading here, verse 18 and 19, it says now, that it overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. At the command of the Lord, the waters were parted and at the command of the Lord, the waters returned. This was supernaturally arranged by God. The waters were receded and now the waters now came and returned to the place where they belonged. Well, what an uh, an incredible testimony here. This is a testimony of what God is doing for his people. But from verse 19 to verse 24, you know what you see here? That not only the lesson of faith or the lesson of obedience, but also here the lesson of gratitude. Because this is what the memorial taught them. Verse 19 says this. As they came up from the Jordan on the 10th day, on the first month, they camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And it says, and those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. That was the place where they camped Gilgal, the east of the Jordan. And the 12 stones were set there. This was the base operation. And in verse 12, 21, it says this, Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Now, there's an important word here in verse 21 when the children ask who their fathers when the children ask who the fathers not if the children ask the fathers but when the children ask the fathers the father has a very important role in calling in the life of his children or well, this verse should be convicting to you this you're a father today Because fathering your children is not only about raising them. You know what it means? It means to disciple them. When the children ask their fathers, you know what this is? An opportunity for instruction. An opportunity for discipleship. An opportunity to tell them who God is and what he has done in your life. You know what a beautiful thing that encourages a child? Is when you tell them what God did for you. When you read them the scripture and share with them, what God did for in your life. Because the children look up to the Father. You know what? They start to see that God was real in the life of my Father. And this is what he did for him. This is what he wants to do for me. You can teach them now the lessons of the stones. Look at verse here as it continues. Verse 22, there's evidence now. Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land, These stones serve as an evidence that God took you to the next place. These stones serve as evidence of the faithfulness of God, the testimonies of what God did. This is our story. The stones now. Verse 23 says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you have crossed over now the Jordan River as he did in the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed. Just as the Lord did it at the Red Sea, notice he also did it at the Jordan River until we had crossed. What were these stones for? They were a constant reminder that Jehovah, the God of Israel, was their God. And this is exactly what he's teaching them through these stones, the importance of teaching the next generation the lessons from the past. Why? From Because the lessons of the past shape the future of the generation that's coming. How are you shaping the, the future of our children? Notice, by teaching them the lessons of the word of God. And oftentimes we forget. And when we forget, we fail to trust God. Because we forget the great things that he has done for us and then we become very doubtful and the faith of the children become weak because we never told them how great God was in our lives. Now, let's look here finally in verse 24 as we see everything that the Lord did for them. Notice here, it says, that all the peoples of the earth may know so that everyone may know the hand of the Lord. What does the hand of the Lord do? The hand of the Lord is powerful. The hand of the Lord protects. The hand of the Lord provides. But so that everyone would know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. What was this for? It was for a greater purpose, so that everyone knows what God has done. Everyone knows what God has done. It's, it's amazing when you even walk through the property, you see the pictures in the back of the sanctuary and going down the halls of everything that God has done in the past here. <laughs> and it's an encouragement as we look back that God has worked through generations and he wants to continue to work in generations here even at Calvary Chapel of Downey. How many of you guys believe that tonight? <laughs> but so to all would know that the Lord's hand is mighty and that you would fear the Lord your God forever. These lessons are to teach you that the hand of the Lord provides now, that the hand of the Lord protects, but notice that the hand Of the Lord delivers. We need the hand of the Lord in our lives because we're going to be taken to places where God's going to say, I want you to step into the water. And we're going to be scared oftentimes. As we finish, I want to give you just three things that we can remember. When you're going and crossing over that Jordan and you're saying, Well, Lord, I'm stepping out in faith into the unknown. (laughs) You know what really gets us really scared? Uncertainty. We we don't like uncertainty. We want to know what's next. But I want to share with you just three things that will really help you in trusting the Lord when it comes to God's goodness and faithfulness in your life. Number one, it is he who brought us here. (laughs) Who took the nation of Israel to that Jordan River? The Lord did. It is he who has brought us here. Number two, it is he who will keep and preserve us here as well. The Lord brought me here. The Lord will keep me and preserve me here. And if it's he who brought me here, and and if it's he who will keep me and preserve me here, it's also he, only he, who will take me up from here. Why? Because we're trusting in the Lord. Why are these monuments important? Because it give us assurance that God will be there in the future when we need him. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 says this, But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire... You shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. When you're taking a step of faith, you can know for certain that God is on your side. But what does it take for us to be able to take some steps of faith? That we would cross over from the self-life to the Christ-life. And you know what our memorial is today, our monument for us today is? Our number one monument and our number one memorial is the cross of Jesus Christ. When we look back at the cross, we look back at the love of God and say, Lord, you always were faithful. And we want to take a step of faith so that we no longer live for the old man, but for the new man that is created in Christ Jesus.